Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. How many of you are ready to receive the word of God right now? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now and praise you for the word. We trust you, Holy Spirit, to lead God and direct. And Lord, we receive the anointing, bringing to us the very things that we need to hear. We need to do, and we thank you, Lord, for giving us ears to hear and eyes to see. Thank you for opening our hearts up and making us receptive, good ground that your word can be planted into. And Lord God, we just thank you today. We set our mind on those things which are above, and we set our focus upon you, and we receive your will done now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. I'm going to share with you just uh, for a few moments, praise God, you know, about 120 of them, but uh, no, I won't do that. But uh, just want to share with a little bit about, about the revelation of our redemption. Uh, we might call this part two of Pastor Mark, but pra- praise God. Uh, but I want to start in Proverbs 29, 18. I'm going to read uh, this verse to you from three different translations. We'll, we'll start off with the King James Version. I, I like that version. Uh, it's, we've been, it's been around for a while. But it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Notice how he says, where there is no vision, the people perish. You know, I, I've, I've shared this many, many times. I've preached a lot of times from this verse because it's, it's been a vital verse in my life. And one of the things that I found is this, where there's no vision, where you don't have a vision of God's plan and purpose in your life, you'll perish. It'll, it'll bring destruction to you. And, and, I, and I, I've shared this also before. That, that the only thing I find that's worse than having no vision is having the wrong vision. Because the wrong vision will destroy you without you even knowing it. <laughs> It'll lead you astray. So it's really important that we have the right vision. Amen. It's really important that we know what God's plans are and what his purpose is. And then the New King James reads it like this. Where there's no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. I like that version. Where there's no revelation. So now we begin to get a little bit more insight. Vision is a revelation of God's plan. It's a revelation. It's just not knowledge. It's a revealed thing. It's something that's become alive to you. Something that's real to you. Something that's revealed. Amen. And notice he says if there's no revelation. The people cast off restraint. You know what he's saying? He's saying this. That God's vision. God's revelation. Of his plan. Of his purpose for your life will actually set perimeters up in your life and barriers up in your life. And, and, and so, you know, and, you know, when I know what God wants me to do, it will help me to restrain from doing what the world wants me to do. Amen. It helps me to live a different way, praise God. And you find people that don't have a revelation or a vision of what God wants to do, and they'll live the way the world is. They live any way they want to. But you see, if you are hooked up with God, God puts, you know, a perimeter upon us. Amen. And some people say, well, you're preaching bondage. No, 1 John chapter 5, John said, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome or grievous. Amen? So God's word sets you free. Didn't John 8, 32, Jesus said over there, if you continue in my word, you'll know the truth. Be my disciples indeed, and that truth will set you free. Amen? So whenever he says he casts off restraints, what he's saying is the word restrains you from getting in sin. The word restrains you from saying something that you have to apologize for later on. 
the, the word restrains you from acting like the rest of the world and, go, and getting into the destruction that's in the world. Amen? So he puts restraints. I, God expects me to live a certain way. Amen? God expects me to do certain things his way. Amen? When I become a citizen of the kingdom of God, God expects me now to conduct myself as a citizen in the kingdom of God. And, and so he gives me directives and, and, a, and a guideline in how I'm to live my life. Amen? Now, I like the Amplified, the Amplified Classic is what they call it now, but it says this, where there is no vision, and then he brings it out this way, no redemptive revelation of God. The people perish, but he who keeps the law of God, which includes that of man, blessed, happy, and fortunate, and enviable is he. Notice here that, that you begin to take these three uh, different you know, translations, and all of a sudden you begin to get the full measure and the full picture of what God's saying. God is saying where there is no redemptive revelation, where there's no vision of, of God's redemptive plan in your life, and it's not a revelation or revealed thing to you, then you won't live the way God wants you to live, and you won't have the restraints in your life that protect you from the onslaught of the enemy, and therefore you'll keep living like you did before you came into the kingdom of God, and it will cause you destruction in your life. Amen? If I talk like I did before I knew Jesus, my talk will get me in trouble. If I act like I did before I met the Lord Jesus, my actions will get me in trouble. But the revelation of who I am now in Christ Jesus brings to me a different lifestyle and gives me a direction that I'm to live in. And the great thing about it is this, happy, blessed, to be envied, and is he who keeps the law of God. Now, a lot of people come along about now and they say, well, I'm not under the law. He's not necessarily talking about the law of Moses. He said the law of God, okay? And the laws of God are his word. You know, love is a law. Love isn't a feeling. Love is a law. In 1 John 2, 5, he says that love is perfected by keeping the word of God and practicing the word of God. Amen. Faith is a spiritual law. You believe it in your heart and say it with your mouth, you can have what you say. That's a spiritual law. That's not a formula. Amen. And so God says that when you begin to take his word and make it the law that you live by. Amen. Then what that law does is it doesn't bring you into, into a place of burden and griefs. It, it brings you in a place of liberty and freedom, praise God. And it sets perimeters in your life. What's that mean? The devil comes along with the temptation. Come on over here and do this. But the law of God, I have restrictions in my life. Amen? I, I, I have some, 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 some things there that are going to keep me from uh, doing this. I have restraint because I've taken God's word as a law. See, if I take God's word of love, and God says I'm to love you, amen? And in 1 Corinthians, he teaches me how I'm to love you. And, and, and so I choose I'm going to walk in love. Well, you start acting ugly around me. Well, you know, all of a sudden, because I've taken God's word as my law that I'm going to live by, it puts restraints. That means I'm not going to act ugly back to you. And by doing so, I'm going to come out of that thing victorious, praise God. Amen. And in fact, God can use me in that situation to bring conviction to your life that will maybe cause you to repent for how you're acting and want to have what I've got so you can get set free too. Amen. 
And so the restraints are not, not barriers that are going to keep me in bondage. They're restraints that help me to walk in the things of the kingdom of God and be a representative of Jesus to the, to the world. Amen? The rest of the world's jumped off into fear. But, you know, I'm operating in the law of faith. And they're all talking defeat and failure because that's what, faith, that's what fear talks. Amen? But, you see, I'm not going to allow myself. I've got restraints. I've asked the Lord to put a watch upon my lips and to guard my words because I've read in the word that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so, therefore, I'm going to allow the laws of faith to restrain my tongue from speaking death. And I'm going to speak life. And you may call me crazy and it may look foolish, but in the end, you perish and I got victory. And if I side in with you and don't let those laws bring restraints in my life, then I'll side in with you and I'll perish right along with you. Because, see, once you come into the kingdom of God, you have to learn how to operate in the kingdom of God. You're no longer a citizen of the kingdom of darkness. You're a citizen of the kingdom of God. And so we have to operate in our citizenship. So, So I have to build my vision on the word of God. Are you listening to me? I have to build who I am on the Word of God. Notice he says, happy is he who keeps the law. You know, the Lord Jesus, whenever he came to this earth, you know, he, he found his identity in the Word and preached it. In Luke chapter 4, you know, after the, he goes into the wilderness, defeats the devil with speaking the Word, he comes back to Nazareth, and then he goes into the, the synagogue, remember? He goes in the temple, and he says, there was handed to him the book of Isaiah. And he found the place where it is written, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he began to, to, to read that out. And then he began to speak to them. And he said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. I just showed you who I am. Yeah. Amen. You and I should find our identity in this book. I don't find my identity in my past life. I don't find my identity in the world. I find myself in the word of God. Amen. And when the whatever the word says about me, that's who I am now. And you see, here's the thing where there's no revelation of the redemption of Christ. People cast off restraint and perish. You, you just can't know that Well, the Bible's true. The Bible has to become the truth that you know. You understand? See, the, the reason the Lord, now we, we take the Lord and we say, well, you say the reason the Lord, but he was God. in But, you know, he, the Philippians just says he laid aside his eternal glory. And he had to do it as a man without any help from his eternal glory as, as God Almighty. Amen. He had to function as the last Adam. He had to do it exactly like Adam would have had to do it to defeat the devil and win the victory. Amen. And so Jesus, in his earth walk, showed us how we're supposed to live. So what does the Lord do? He locates himself in the Word of God, finds his whole purpose in the Word of God, finds his entire identity in the Word of God, and steps up and preaches it. And whenever they start attacking him, he just speaks the Word to them and defends who he is in, 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 in the Word. And so he made the word the revelation that he lived by. And you know what? You and I have to get into the word because happy is he that keeps the law. Now, why would, why would you know, Solomon right here and say keeps the law? Well, in Mark chapter 4, you ever read over there when Jesus taught about the parable of the sower? Verse 14, the sower sows the word. And these are they that are by the wayside who, when they have heard the word, what happened? Satan comes immediately to steal the word out of their heart. 
So, so here in Proverbs, he says, happy, blessed, and to be envious, he keeps the law. That means you have to keep this. To keep it means there's, there's some effort involved. Anybody besides me have some effort to live what God wants you to live? Amen. Huh? You have to put down some effort. I, I mean, it, you know, you just get up in the morning, everything just natural. Hallelujah. Whoa, glory to God. Just do go through life, you know, full of the Holy Ghost, responding perfectly in every situation. Well, if you do, would you come lay hands on me right now? I need your, I need that anointing in my life. No, that's why he's writing in Proverbs. He says, you have to keep this. You have to guard this. You have to grab a hold of this and not let it be taken away from you. Because you see, the tests and trials that are coming against you are not coming against you because you're so great. The devil knows that what's in you is great, and it's the Word of God. And if he can get the Word out of you and get you to quit doing what the Word says, he can cause you to perish. And when he calls you to perish, he can cause people around you to stumble and perish also. So God says, and he's warning us here. He's saying the first thing you've got to do is you've got to get a revelation of the redemption that you have in Christ Jesus. And you've got to build that revelation into your life on the word of God. And when the enemy comes in to steal that, let that word set up restraints or barriers around you that you will not go any farther than this. Because inside of these restraints is the liberty of God. And this is where the word works. Amen. And so, devil, you're not going to steal the word because, see, if he steals the word, I'm going to step over the guardrail. And now I'm out here where he can bring destruction. But when I keep the word, the word says as far as you can go. You, 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 your, your flesh is, it, it, you're, you're at the, the, the boiling point. You, you can't go any farther. You've got you to get control of this. And that word, all of a sudden, where you was wanting to just smack him. The word brings a restraint, says, nope, nope, you step back. Get control of yourself. Act like the way God wants you to act and pray for them and walk in love. And you turn around blessed, happy, fortunate, and to be envied. Because they can't figure out what's going on in your life. How are you doing that? It's because I've got a revelation of the redemption that I have in Christ Jesus. And it is what is directing my life. Amen. I didn't just come to church and hear about it. I got into it until it was a revelation. You see that word, that word vision there in the Hebrews translated vision, revelation, reality, and sight. I like that. What's he saying? He's saying the redemptive revelation of God or the redemptive reality of God. It's a reality. How many Christians is sad that we go through life and it's not a reality of what we have in Christ Jesus and who we are? See, that's got to become your reality. I mean, we found out that there's, there, there's two sources of reality. The world presents you a reality. Amen? The devil wants to bring you a reality. You're not worthy. You're... you're you know, you'll never measure up. You're, you don't have enough gifting. You're not talented enough. Nobody likes you. You're not, you're not tall enough. You're not short enough. You're not good enough. You're not, you'll never know enough. And so it tries to bring a reality to you of destruction. That's why you got to get in the Word. Because, see, the Word begins to paint you in a different picture and bring a different reality to you. And notice over there in John chapter 8, we, we quoted there but in verses 31 and 32, when he spoke to those who believed on him, he said, if you abide or continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. Notice he said you have to abide or continue in the word. You have to stay with it until you are discipled by it. 
See, a disciple is a learner and a follower of the teachings of their master. So he says, you have to stay with this word until it disciples you. And he says, then, then you'll know the truth. See, it's not the truth that I know is going to set you free. It's the truth that you know is going to set you free. Amen? My truth can help you, but eventually, ultimately, your truth is what's going to cause you to walk in the victory. Amen? It's the truth that by his stripes you were healed is what's going to get you healed eventually. It's the truth that my God supplies all of my need according to his riches and glory by grace. It's going to get you through that hard time. It's the truth that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Therefore, I can boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do to me. It's going to get me through that crisis moment in my life. It's the revelation that he is my comforter and he comforts me in all my situations that I can comfort those that are around me. It gets me through the sad moment in that a, a attack of the enemy man why because you see i'm keeping the law because it's a revelation i mean that revelation that truth what sets me free what's that mean it means i'm no longer at the mercy of the liar come on who's the liar the devil amen He's the father of lies. So therefore, I'm no longer the mercy of the liar because I'm walking in the revelation of the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ and the truth always defeats the lie. And the truth sets restraints up. Amen? I got guardrails in my life, brother. Amen? I'm telling you what, I can, I can run 100 miles an hour inside those guardrails. It's whenever I get outside of those and try to run that fast, I get in trouble. Amen? So I choose to get in the Word and find out what it says. But notice he says, not only does he say it's, it's a reality, but he calls it sight. Sight. You know, it's not just what you see it counts, it's how you see it. Amen? He says, where there's no sight, where you don't see this. Let me, let me read a scripture to you from uh, Mark ch or Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 and 23. Here the Lord Jesus is teaching. He says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be uh, full of darkness. And he says, if therefore your light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? You know what he's saying? He's saying how you see things will determine how you interpret how, what God wants you to do. See, see, what do you mean? If you see it through, through the eyes of God, you come in, and you've been in, in a, you know, in a situation where you've been taught all your life that the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues is not for today, is not of God, and, and, and in fact, it's of the devil. Some even go that far. And you've heard that all your life, and then you come into a, a full gospel church, because all of a sudden, you just get hungry for more of God. And you come in, and that morning, the, the minister, the pastor, the man, whoever it is, gets up and starts preaching on the, the two works of the Holy Spirit. He wants to come in you and bring new birth into you, but he wants to come upon you and empower you for the service of God. And you can be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. The Spirit of God gives you utterance. Now, the truth has just been presented to you. You, you see it in the Word, but now you have to make sure that you see it how it's being presented and how God says it and not how you've heard it in the past. Because now how you see that truth is going to determine whether you walk out of that service mad at that church and that preacher or you walk out of that church speaking in tongues. 
Because when you hear a truth, you can come in sick and they can be preaching on healing. And, and you sit there and say, oh, I, I just feel like they're telling me God don't love me because I'm sick and they're preaching on healing. You know, how you see it will determine the revelation that it presents to you. And he says, if you don't see it the way God wants you to see it, the truth, instead of bringing light to you, becomes dark to you. Amen? So you have to ask God to take the blinders off your eyes. And Lord, let me not only see this truth, but let me see it how you want me to see it. So that it brings liberty into my life and not bondage. See, we, we, we preach on, on serving God. You messed up during the week, and immediately the devil sitting right there in the service will say, see there, you don't stack up. And he'll cause you to try to start seeing that as a, a message of condemnation instead of a message of liberty and forgiveness and coming out of that. Amen? Listen, I've always been this way. I made the commitment to God. And, and we were, you know, we were in the, the Baptist church and I got in the word and found out that you could get power when the Holy Ghost came on you. And, you know, we Baptists, we were into witnessing, praise God. And Acts 1a said, you shall receive power and the Holy Ghost and you shall be witnesses. And I went, whoa, <laughs> glory to God. I saw that as something good. Yeah. That'll help me. Yeah. Amen. And then I saw a bunch of my friends try to discourage me. But I refused to let them cause me to see it like they saw it. I wanted to see it how God wanted me to see it. Amen? And so I just made the commitment, Lord, when you show me something, I'm going to receive it. I'm going to walk in it because this, you know, the, the entrance of his word giveth light and brings understanding. Amen? And so you, you have to see it as light coming into you. So not only do you have to see the word and see what God has for you, you have to see how God says it. And it, it's always good. The word is always good for you. Even if the word is trying to chop something out of your life, it's good for you. Amen. Because the word will correct us. But here's the thing you understand. The word doesn't correct us to condemn us. The word corrects us to liberate us. Amen. And every time I allow the word to do something in me, it brings me closer into the walk of redemption that Christ Jesus made, has made for me. Because the revelation of redemption, redemption is that which Christ did for us and now does with us. See, it just didn't end up on the cross. That's the legal side of redemption, what he did for us. But the vital or the experiential is what he does in us now and with us today. So he wants you to have a revelation of the redemption of the Lord Jesus Christ, which means the full spectrum of what God has done for you and what he will do with you right now. Amen. And see, here, here's the thing I'm concerned about in the church. We've kind of gotten a revelation of what Jesus did for us. Thank God he redeemed us from the curse of the law. Hallelujah. But has the revelation of that as a reality in your daily life become a vision and a truth to you? See, what's he doing in me now? What's available for me now? Because the church has had a tendency to go back to the cross or go to heaven. And everything between the cross and heaven is a big void. <laughs> Amen. But redemption is what Christ purchased for us and is available to us now. Amen. And so if we're going to walk in victory, we have to get a revelation of what Jesus has done for us and a revelation on how to apply it in our lives today. Amen. And how do we do that? We have to do it through the word of God. 
Amen? Because happy is he that keeps the laws of God. And so, therefore, I'm not going to walk in the blessings that I have in the Lord by just hope so, maybe so. Lord, if you'll love me, make this happen. No, I'm going to get in the Word and intentionally discover what God has for me and make it a revelation and a reality in my life. Amen? See, let's, let's, let's go and, real quick over to Colossians chapter 1. Let me, let me look into this. Let's go into this. We're going to look at this in the Amplified. And Colossians chapter 1, verse 12, 13, and 14, the Apostle Paul here brings out some... some legal and vital truth of your redemption that you have in Christ Jesus. And if you're going to, to walk in the revelation of redemption and walk in the vision and the truth and the reality of what Christ has for you and, and stuff, you, know, you need to get it from the Word, and here's where you can start. He says in verse 12, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified and made us fit to share in the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people in the light. The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness of sins. Now, let's, let's do this. To make this plain to us and see what the apostle is trying to get across, let's, let's go from the bottom up. Amen? Let, let's start in verse 14 and work our way back because that's really how you do it. And somebody says that's not good you know, uh, homiletically correct. I I'm, I'm, didn't learn homiletics. I just learned how to <laughs> teach the word. Amen. But but let's let's start where where Paul finishes because Paul Paul tells you the benefits and he tells you why you got them. So let's start. Where's your redemption begin? It begins in verse fourteen. We are redeemed. We're forgiven and receiving remission of sins by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's the first revelation you have to have. Notice he says this in verse 14. He, he, he says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, which means the forgiveness. I looked up the word forgiveness in, in the, the original there, and it means remission of sins. doesn't mean that you're just a forgiven sinner. It means that through the blood of Jesus Christ, every sin and failure, even the sin life and the sin nature is now remitted, blotted out, wiped away, and is no longer on the books. Are you listening to me? Full remission of sin. That means that you're no longer recognized in that realm in the eyes of God anymore. Amen? So the very first thing you have to understand is this. I am not going to walk in the blessings of the Lord because I'm some special somebody. I'm going to walk in the blessings of the Lord because Jesus Christ went on the cross, bore my sins in his own body, died for my place, went down in hell, suffered for me, was raised from the dead, went into the heavenly holy of holies, put his blood on the mercy seat of God. And when he put the blood on the mercy seat of God, my sins were wiped away, blotted out, and it was as if I'd never sinned before. Hallelujah. Amen? And that would be great if, if we stopped there, but let's, let's look at the next verse. Let's jump up to the, the 13th verse, praise God. Look what he says here. He says, The Father has delivered and drawn us to himself out of the control and the dominion of darkness and has transferred us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. When God, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, redeemed you, God not only redeemed you from your sin, he picked you up and took you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you into the kingdom of the Son of God. And he, he drew you to himself. 
What's that mean? God the Father reaches down when you accept Jesus as your Lord and pulls you out of the, jerk, the junk that's in your life, the sin, the, the, all the everything, takes you out of the kingdom of darkness and draws you to him. In other words, he pulls you into his bosom and hugs you and places you over here in the kingdom of the Son of his love. Hallelujah. Somebody says, what does that mean? That means in Ephesians chapter 2, like Pastor Mark was preaching, he raises us up, praise God, with the Lord Jesus Christ and seats us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus as though he can show his exceeding greatness of his rewards throughout the eternities. And you know when those rewards and his greatness begins? The moment you ask Jesus into your heart, your eternity doesn't begin when you go to heaven. Your eternity begins the moment you say, Jesus, you are now my Lord. Hallelujah. I don't go to heaven to get into the kingdom of God. I go to Jesus to get into the kingdom of God. Amen? And that moment, all guilt, all condemnation, all my past is wiped away. And I have a new father. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus told the religious folks over there in John, he said, you're of your father, the devil. Remember that in the eighth chapter? I got a new father. Hallelujah. And he, and, and, and he loved me so much, he drew me to himself. I couldn't get to him, so he came and just reached down and drew me to himself. Amen. I remember one time I was, I, I, well, I, I can tell you when it was. It, it was in the, the spring of 1981. That's a few years ago, isn't it? Amen. But anyway, I was driving, I was driving through the city of Charleston. We were pastoring there, and, and, and just one of those days, things have been coming against and everything. I was driving and, and, and stuff, and and just thinking, and you know how sometimes you get thinking and the enemy will get in your thoughts. And so I'm driving along, and this thought just hits me, and it says, boy, it's a good thing you're a preacher. You couldn't do anything else. You'd be a failure at anything. And he said, you're, and, and, and you know, I, I, I y'all don't know a whole lot, some of you do, but you know, my dad left when I was two and deserted us. I never knew my biological dad. I was, mom was remarried. I was adopted when I was five. And, and so I was raised up. And so he was reproached. I, I never knew him, but I heard that he had died, and he died of reproach and in rebellion. He was just a nasty person all his life. I'm, I hate that for him, but that's the way he was. And so the devil's sitting there, and he says, besides that, blood runs thicker than water. Like father, like son, you're going to be a mess. You're going to mess up. And I'm driving along, and those thoughts are hitting my mind. And about that time, another voice speaks up, very authoritative voice, and I almost swerved the car. It's just like it rung inside that, that car. It went, shut that thinking up. Uh, what? He says, you're preaching, and that's the hardest thing anybody can do. And if you can be a success in the ministry, you can be a success at anything. And he said, and I want to correct you. It is like father, like son. Only now I'm your father, and now you're my son, and you're like me. And don't you ever think like that ever again. Hallelujah. Woo, glory to God. And all of a sudden, Colossians 1.13 became a reality to me. The father has drawn me unto himself. I have a new daddy. Hallelujah. Amen. And my Lord is my king. Hallelujah. And he, I'm in his kingdom right now. 
And you know, we can stop here with the revelation of that part of the redemption. I mean, legally, I've been, my, my sins are washed away. Legally, I'm in the kingdom of God. Legally, I have a new father. I have a new identity, praise God. Well, let's don't stop there. Let's read the, the, that first verse we read in verse 12. What does he say? Giving thanks to the Father. Now I know why I'm to give thanks to the Father. He's my Father. I'm getting up every day and, and thank God for my daddy. Hallelujah. Thank God for my Father. What am I going to thank him for also? Who has qualified and made us fit to share in the portion which is the inheritance of the saints, God's holy people in the light. He redeemed me by his blood. Remitted my sins, blotted out my past, changed my heart and nature, drew me from the, 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 the kingdom of darkness, put me in the kingdom of the Lord, made me his very own son. Romans 8 says he gave me the spirit of adoption whereby I cried, Abba, Father. Placed me in the son, drew me to himself, gave me a new father, gave me a new identity, and then qualified me himself. To partake and receive of every blessing, every inheritance that's in the kingdom of God. Woo. That means every good thing God has, I have access to. And I don't have access to it because I deserve it. I don't have access to it because I earned it. So when the devil says you don't deserve that, it just goes in one ear and out of the other. Hallelujah. All, all my head has for the devil is empty space. I mean, there's no vacancy. Just in, out, in, out. Amen. When he says, well, you haven't prayed enough to get healed. Oh, no, no, no. You're putting it back on works again. Well, you messed up. That's why you don't get No, 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 no. Wait a minute. You're putting it back on, that, on me again. It's not on me. I didn't qualify myself. To be a partaker of this. God qualified me. If you've got a problem with me getting healed. You're going to have to take it up with my heavenly father. You've got a problem with me getting my needs met. You're going to have to take it up with him. Because Paul wrote and said. That my God shall supply all of my needs. According to his riches and glory. By Christ Jesus. So that's between you and my Lord. Mr. Devil. And if somebody said. What are you standing here for? I got this badge that says I'm qualified. It's called Jesus, my Lord. Hallelujah. I, and I was told to come here and get in line. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. I'm not trying to break in. It's like you walk up and everybody's being turned away. And you think, what if I can get in there? And you walk up and they go, oh, Mr. Upman, come right on through. Hallelujah. Everybody looks at you. What, what's the difference in him? I'm qualified. Hallelujah. Yeah. Amen. Are you hearing me? And so the Bible says, without that revelation, we perish. Without this revelation, we cast off restraints. And we worry like the rest of the world. We fuss like the rest of the world. We walk in defeat like the rest of the world. We let the devil dominate us like he does the rest of the world. But whenever this revelation becomes a reality in our life, we begin to see it in our life. Then all of a sudden we realize it's not about me because the Bible says over in the Old Testament, it says it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit. You're going to get these things done. Remember, Zechariah? Huh? 
And so therefore the prophet tells her, and you know, whatever the prophet spoke to Zerubbabel back then, he's going to speak to me and you today. And so God is saying again, you're living in the age of grace. You're living in the place where, uh, you know, if you will walk in the word and walk in the will of God, then you qualify to walk in all these blessings. Praise God. Somebody says, well, what if I mess up? Well, thank God if you mess up, just clean it up. Amen. Because, see, part of the redemption revelation that we have is this, that if I mess up, I have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You ever read in 1 John chapter 1? You ever read that? Some people came out and said, well, that's just not for Christians. I thought, well, you know what? You need to get saved and get in the Bible and get delivered from ignorance. John's not preaching to the, to the, the world to get them saved. He's preaching to Christians to keep them in fellowship with God. Read the first four verses. He said, all this is that we have fellowship with the Father. And we write these things so you can have fellowship with us and truly our fellowship with God. So it's about keeping us in fellowship. Amen. I mean, you found out that if you, if you go out here and you mess up, you don't keep the law. How many of you found out it doesn't break relationship, it breaks fellowship. Amen. If, 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 you know, and I would never do this, but if I would say something sharp or harsh to my wife and hurt her feelings, it doesn't stop us from being married. Amen. It just stops me from having the benefits of being married. Right. <laughs> Fellowship is broken. Amen. And you know what? It's not up to her to come to me to correct me for what I said. It's up to me to come to her and freely admit it was me. I was wrong. Forgive me. And then she forgives me. And then the fellowship is restored. And John in the Amplified, when in verse 9, he says, if we freely admit and confess to God that we have sinned, God is faithful, just, and true to his own nature and promises and will forgive, cleanse, Wipe away, remit, destroy, clean us up from every wrong tone. Why is he doing that? He's saying it because God wants us continuously in fellowship with him. And he also, the reason he put that in there is because he knew we were still living in this flesh and blood. We were still living in a contaminated world. And the enemy would still come in sometimes and try to trip us up. Amen. And so what God was saying is this, a revelation of redemption is this. If you mess up, don't stay in your mess up. Get back over into the law of God. Do what God says. Truly, sincerely, out of your heart, ask God for forgiveness. Confess, Lord, I messed up. You didn't mess up. I'm not in this mess because of you. I'm in this mess because I listened to the wrong thing and I didn't keep your law and the enemy came in and took me out of the place where I was protected. Lord, would you forgive me? The Lord says, yeah, come back over here and he cleans me up, puts me back over and puts me back in his grace and blessings again. Amen? And see, we have to learn that. Why? Because here's the thing. The process of walking in your redemptive Revelation is exactly what I just said. It's a process. Peter writes and says, as newborn babes desire the pure, sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. How many of you found out that just because you got saved, you weren't perfect yet? Huh? How many after many years of being saved found out you're not perfect yet? Hallelujah. Amen. Well, 
Do you think that God is so naive that he would get us saved and think we were going to be perfect the next day? No, even the Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus learned obedience through the things he suffered. You know, the, the, the Lord Jesus had to deal with the same things you and I deal with. The thing with him is he never messed up. But at the same time, he learned obedience. You know what that means? That means it didn't just come easy. He had to work to get through it. He had to learn to stay faithful. He had to learn. In the garden, you think it was easy for him in the garden to not yield to his flesh? You think it was easy for him to go ahead and accept the redemptive work that he was going to have to do on the cross? No, the Bible says that he prayed and even cried out to God, if there's any other way this can be done. And then he would stop right there in the midst of that before he went any farther and says, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He was learning right there. I'm here for one purpose. I'm here to bring redemption to mankind. And I don't care what it costs, I'm going to get through this. Amen? That's a learning process you and I have to go through. Amen? And see, the devil come along and say, well, you know, if you was a real Christian, you wouldn't have done that. Yeah, I would have. At this stage of my life, I would have done it. I haven't learned yet. That's no excuse. I'm sorry I did it, but it's not going to stop me. Amen? I don't know about you, but, you know, I'm, I'm this to this today. You know, these kids get on the, the, these phone games, okay? Well, you know, I'll get, I'll get a, a sometimes I'll, I put, I like some of the old arcade games. And, you know, you get these, these spiders, and, you, and, and then they get this huge thing, and it shoots you. And I think, well, that's not even real. What's wrong with you people? But it makes me so mad, I'll keep doing it until I kill it. And that arcade game is a whole lot like God's grace and mercy. Because you know it's there, and you know you have to confront it, and you know it's, it's, it's not fair, and it's bigger, and it's not even real, you know, and it, it's, it, it's out of proportion. But if I keep hitting it, and if I learn to hit it just exactly right, I can take it out. And you have to learn, Amen. I mean, I've gotten some little games. I'll go back to the to the, the, the screens two or three before, just so I can do it real quick. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> but it may have took, taken me several times before I learned how to get it. Amen. I learned how to win that thing. I've learned how to speak my faith. I've learned how to stand. And then once I've done all to stand, stand there for I've learned to praise God when I felt like just quitting. I've learned to pray in the Holy Ghost until I got the victory. I've learned to stand fast when I didn't know which way to go, trusting that God would show me the next step I needed to take. I've learned how to love people and walk in forgiveness whenever I just didn't want to do it. Are you hearing me? Because your walk in redemption is a walk of revelation and is a walk of maturing. It's a walk. You got to grow in this stuff. You you got to get to the place where where it it becomes so real to you that it becomes the dominant thing in your life. Amen. There's no way you can come and convince me that I'm not going to heaven. I, it's a revelation to me. 
Lana gets scared. She said, not scared, scared, fearful. But she says she gets concerned sometimes because I'll get to talking because I get to praying. And in my mind and stuff, I'll be praying in the spirit of worshiping God. And I can see heaven. I can see the Lord. And, and I, 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 it's almost like I've been there. And she goes, you ain't going to go there, are you? I mean, just don't. don't. You're not, it's not time for you to go there yet. You don't, don't get any ideas. I said, but Bonnie, you should. And she goes, no, 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 no. I'm not trying to make me more spiritual. Just I, I'm thank God that I've been able to catch some glimpses every now and then. Amen. But I believed it was real before I ever saw any glimpses of it. It became real to me the moment Jesus came into my heart because his is a heavenly kingdom. His is a glorious kingdom. It's, a, it's full of righteousness and peace and joy and the Holy Ghost and good things. Amen. So you see, this, this is the revelation of what we're talking about. And this is our identity. Let me, let me show you. Let, let's look at a couple more scriptures and we'll, we'll pray. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Very familiar scripture to us. 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. But I want us to actually start here around verse 14. I want you to see here what Paul says. He says, for the love of Christ compels or constrains us because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all died. You know what Paul's saying? He said, if one died for everybody, then we all died when he died. You don't have to die anymore. He's not talking about physical death. He's talking about spiritual death. If Jesus Christ died for all, then all died in Christ. Amen? Now look what he says. And that he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. You know what he's saying? He's saying if you died with Christ in his crucifixion, then you no longer live your life for you. Now you live your life for him who died for you. Amen? Then he goes down here in verse 15, or verse 16. He says, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh. Yet now we know him no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, now, we read verse 17 all the time, but a lot of times we leave out those, those three verses before. And he says, you get the revelation here that Christ died for all. And if he died for every human being that will ever be born on the earth, past, present, and future, then all died with him, meaning that the salvation has been prepared for every person born on the planet. Jesus didn't just pay the price for sin for those who accept him. Jesus paid the price for sin for everybody. Are you listening to me? The saddest thing that people are going to be finding out when they stand before the Lord that rejected Jesus is when he looks at them and says, your sins were paid for. Why did you retain them? You went to hell because you chose to, because your price for you to be saved and come to be in my kingdom was already paid. And so he says, the love of Christ is constraining. It's got constraints. It compels. I like the word constraint. It means to grab a hold of. And that love tells us now you're to live for Christ. And he says, now that you've made Jesus your Lord, you're to no longer live for yourself, but you're to live for him. Amen. And then he says this. He says, we no longer now recognize and know you according to who you were. But now we know you and recognize you as who you are now in Christ, a new creation created in him. Amen. So what's he talking about here? He's saying you and I 
are not truly walking in the vision or the revelation of our redemption until we quit identifying ourselves with the old man and start identifying ourselves with the new man that's created in Christ Jesus. And then Paul goes to be so bold as this. He said, even though we've known Christ in the flesh, we no longer know him in the flesh. You know what he's saying to you and me? He's saying it's good in Easter to recognize the suffering Savior on the cross and rejoice over that. It's good to it, during Christmas to recognize the babe in the manger and to recognize the, the healer that walked through Galilee and the, the feeder of, of multitudes with, with the food and, and all the miracles. He said it's good to know the, the, the baby Jesus and the suffering Jesus and the Jesus on the cross. We put all of our images. He said, but we no longer know Jesus as that Jesus. Now the Jesus we're to know is the one that John saw on the day of, of, of when in, in Revelation when the Lord appeared to him. We now no longer know Jesus as a babe. I know him as Lord, King, resurrected King, healer, deliverer, provider, Lord of Lords, God Almighty. Are you hearing me? And too much of the church, the reason we're defeated is because Jesus in our mind is the babe in the manger or the suffering servant on the cross. But we need to see him like John saw him. Man, he's full of glory and fire coming out of his eyes and lightning out of his hands. He's seated at the right hand of God. Lord God, high priest of the church. Hallelujah. And when you see Jesus in who he is now, all of a sudden when you go into battle, blessed be God, look out. Because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I got the Lord backing me. No wonder demons tremble when you say in the name of Jesus. They see him as he is. Do you see him as he is? Because remember, how you see is just as important as what you see. I rejoice in the babe in the manger. I see that, and I just think that's great. Hallelujah. I rejoice and I weep when I see him on the cross suffering for you and me, and I've tried to picture that in my mind. I rejoice when I see him, you know, walking on the sea to Peter. I mean, I, I rejoice when I, I, I see him feeding them all. To, I rejoice when I, you know, and we've had the privilege of being in, in Israel a, a few times and being where he was and, and where he taught and ministered and, and walking to places. And, and I, it just, it's a wonderful thing. But folks, none of that compares to who he is right now. And Paul says this, don't find your identity in the suffering Christ. Find your identity in the resurrected Christ. Because in the resurrected Christ is your authority, your power, your redemption, and it's a full redemption. Amen? And it just didn't happen 2,000 years ago. It's right here for us right now. So I choose to walk in the revelation of my redemption right now. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus right now. Am I perfect? No. Am I striving for, for, for perfection? Yes. What if you stumble? I'm going to dust myself off by the grace of God and admit that I'm the one who stumbled, not blame God for it, not give any credit to the devil, and get up and say, Lord, forgive me. Show me where I messed up so I don't do it again, and I'm going on with you. Hallelujah. Amen. Because I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. 
Old things are passed away and all things become new. And all things are of God who has called us to himself. Reconciled us unto himself. That word reconciled means to be brought back into harmony with. Amen. And he's no longer holding against me, counting up or imputing my trespasses. That's powerful, isn't it? God looks at me as if I've never sinned. Think of it. God looks at me as if I've never sinned. When I look at me, how do I see me? Because Paul is saying, you need to see you how God sees you. And when you see you how God sees you, you walk in the revelation of your redemption. And your revelation of your redemption will keep you from being destroyed and perishing with the rest of the world. And you base everything that you believe on the laws of God's word. Amen. So when the devil comes and says, well, you don't deserve it. Uh, let me read to you where it says I do. Well, who do you think you are? Do you have a few days? Because it'll take me from Matthew to Revelation. Amen. And I, I'm not just going to quote you. I'm going to read it out loud to you because it's written. It's, it's, it's who I am. Amen. See, go back to the word. The devil can fight you with your arguments, but he can't fight the word. Amen. You just speak the word, stay in the word, walk in the word. And when you walk in your word, you walk in your redemption. Amen. It's more than a legal Christianity now. It's a living, vital, life-changing, everyday lifestyle of Christianity. And that's where God wants us to be. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't it good? You and I can walk in this. Why? Because 2 Corinthians 5.21, he finished it up by saying, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. Woo, hallelujah. I'm in right standing with God today. I have righteousness with God. Rights and privileges with God Almighty. Amen? It's just up to me to do what? Walk in the revelation of it. Remember, if it's not real, it won't work. Vision over there means revelation, vision, reality, and sight. Amen? So God is saying to you, he's saying, get a revelation of who you are and what I've done for you. Look into it and see yourself with that in your life and walk in the reality of it every day. Make that your reality. Amen? Now, I'll finish with saying, what do you mean make that my reality? When Jesus was on the earth, there was sin all around. He was attacked in every way he could be attacked. Amen. Tempted as every way he could be attempted. I mean, even Israel was under foreign power. They lost their sovereignty. Everything around him was bad. But you know what his reality was? He was walking in the full plan and purpose of his heavenly father. And you know who was in control? He was. Amen. He didn't care what was going on around him. He didn't care what the religious people were doing. He didn't care what the politicians were doing. He had a purpose. He had a vision. He had a plan. He had a destiny to fulfill. And that was his reality, praise God. And you know why those 5,000 would show up out there? It wasn't just because it was Jesus, Son of God. 
It was because he was different than everybody else. And the people were amazed at his teaching, not because he was teaching some crazy doctrine, but because he had, he taught as one having authority. It was a reality to him. God was real to him. The kingdom of heaven was real to him. The power to turn a few fish and a few loaves of bread into a meal for 5,000 was real to him. Setting people free from their bondages and hurts and pains and oppressions was a real thing to him. Heaven was real. The kingdom was real. And he lived in that realm to show us how God wanted us to live when we came into his kingdom. Amen? He wasn't naive. He knew what was going on around him. He knew what the religious folks were doing. He knew what the politicians were doing. He knew what the sinners were doing. He knew that in his crowds he had spies trying to catch him in every word. But it didn't stop him or slow him down from doing everything he was supposed to do. Because he lived in the reality of God's plan and purpose in his life. When we walk in the reality of our redemption, we're going to change people's lives. Amen? Because we're going to walk in a different walk and live in a different way. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you now and praise you. We give you glory and honor for all these things. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.